0: And welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Logan Blackman show here on the basement podcast. It is July 14th, 2020 here on a Tuesday club going up on a Tuesday. I can't remember the last time we did a show on a Tuesday. It feels very, very weird. Not gonna lie. Shows only an hour long for those of you who did not listen to Monday's show. And for those of you who are also just didn't listen to Monday's show, we have an announcement that the Logan Blackman show will be aired five times a week for one hour a day. I explained that a lot better there than I did on Monday. In the video I, I tried to explain it and it just didn't it just didn't work. It flew it flowed weirdly when I said it. I didn't really like it, but I felt like that did a lot better. Good job, Logan. we're practicing here. gotta get used to saying thir- Tuesdays and Thursdays now. I think I said Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, junior year. I think I was like 12, uh, 12 to two on Tuesdays and Thursdays or 11 to one, 11 to one Tuesdays, Thursdays, before I switched to three days a week for two hours. Now this is just the podcast. Of course, if we go back to you and I and had the live radio show, we might go back to the two hour segment, but as it stands right now, we're more than likely just going to stick it out with the one hour for five times a week yes it's one hour less of logan blackman show content than what your heart desires but you know what hopefully this just improves listening time (laughs) that's what i'm hoping you know what i hope this works i hope that more people tune in because it's a lot easier to commit one hour to something instead of two hours it's a lot easier to do that especially when it's just one person talking now music easy i can turn on music whenever i want podcast i had to be swayed into it a little bit more it's like uh 2 hour show uh it's, it's all right 1 hour show ooh okay you're getting me you're getting me 30 minute videos oh okay it's, it's getting better i can put a little bit of time off to watch a 30 minute video it's not too bad it's not too bad yeah i think we're going well i think this is all just going in the right direction the right trajectory Now, we are recording this a lot later than what I would have liked. It's 3.07 right now here in Urbandale, Iowa. I'm hoping to get done right at or around 4.07 or 4.05 today because that means I just talked for an hour straight like we did on Monday. So, without further ado, let's just dive right in headfirst to this Tuesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Reminder, go follow the Logan Blackman Show account on social media at the underscore LB underscore shows, the Twitter for the show at logan underscore blackman's my personal twitter account the logan blackman show on instagram just search the logan blackman show it'll pop up and blackman logan is my instagram handle go like the facebook page logan blackman show on facebook and go subscribe to the youtube channel where we'll be posting 30 minute clips from the logan blackman show three times a week i'm not going to do it on tuesdays and thursdays because i have a lot more stuff going on on Tuesdays and Thursdays than I do on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So I have a lot more time to edit those videos down to a half hour to make it and more enjoyable, I guess, because I don't want to just upload an hour-long clip of me talking. I have to edit it down, and it takes a while, and then downloading it takes forever, and then uploading it takes forever. It's like a three, four-hour process to get all that done. The editing is surprisingly the easiest part, because the last two times I've tried to upload videos, it stopped uploading like right as it's about to end. It's like, "Ah, I can't do it anymore. I can't make it. I can't do it. But then, so you have to restart again. So that's a whole hour process trying to get to download. And then about a 40 minute process doing that while also editing it. So yeah, it's a long process. I usually start recording on Mondays, Wednesday, Fridays. I usually start recording around nine or 10. That's the goal. And then get done, upload, shower. Then once the Podcast is done uploading. Go out, sit on the couch, edit it, go to my dad's office, upload it. That takes me till about 6:37 and sometimes eight, eight thirty when we're struggling. But we're here at three with no video today, so don't be looking for a video if you're listening to the podcast. But I know I just had to plug the social media real quick. Let's just get right into the show. So we have the MLS's back. Tournament is taking place. We had games last night and the first round is all done of the MLS's back tournament. We had two games going on last night. LAFC versus the Houston Dynamo and the LA Galaxy taking on the Portland Timbers. Uh the LAFC versus Houston Dynamo game ended at a 3-3 draw. Bradley Wright Phillips getting his first goal for the club. New York Red Bulls a legend scores his first goal for his new team. I think it was his debut as well. Diego Rossi gets a goal later in the game in the 63rd minute to get to 2-3, to and then Rodriguez in the 69th minute gets the last goal of the game to seal the draw. Good fight, good fight from LAFC. They were down 3 nothing, 3-1 three at halftime. They were tied 1-1, one one, and then Rodriguez and Alice got two goals. Alice scored in the, 40th, the 50th minute, pretty much. 45th minute plus 5 minutes of added time. To get it to halftime, 3-1. to one. I mean, credit, to where, credit where credit's due. Playing without Carlos Veya is not the easiest task in the world. The best player in the MLS is no longer playing for you at this point in time. He's still under contract and all that stuff. But for the MLS's back tournament, he's out. He's sitting out. So I give credit to LAFC for fighting back against the Houston Dynamo. And the LA Galaxy in this one, another team in LA. Lose to the Portland Timbers 2-1. to one. Chicharito gets his first MLS goal. Uh, Abby Busey and Blanco get their two goals in the game for the Portland Timbers to win 2-1 in my group of death. So in the standings right now, the Portland Timbers sit on top with a plus-one goal differential with three points to their name. LAFC and Houston are tied at one, and the LA Galaxy sit dead last in Group F for the MLS's back tournament. Sitting in last place in the third-place ranked teams, out of all the groups, A through F, Atlanta United sit dead last in the group. The only team in these groups, it looks like, from the third-place rankings anyways, that has not scored a single goal. Out of all of them. And if this is how it were to end, if it were to end today, Sporting Kansas City and Atlanta United would not be moving on to the knockout stage of the MLS is Back tournament. Because the MLS is Back tournament, we kind of explained this Last week, when we did the whole prediction thing, when we went through each group and said who's going to win and all that stuff, there's two winners, and then you have the third place teams, and there's four third place teams that will make it onto the next round. And with the withdrawal of Nashville SC, uh, who else withdrew? FC Dallas, there are now even groups across the board. So there's no longer six teams in Group A. There is now four teams in every single group so it's the same for everybody else now so two champions from each group we got first and second and the third place team the top four move on to the next round it's like a world cup it's pretty much like the world cup which i'm not feeling very confident about this (laughs) right now oh man it's not looking too hot for logan host of the logan Blackburn show (laughs) because i had who did i have a seattle sounders winning group b they're in third I had New York city FC winning group a there in fourth group C I had Toronto FC. Okay. They're in second. I'll take that with DC United tying them in the first game group D I had sporting went in and Minnesota United coming second sporting choked essentially in the first game, just choked it away. got, well, I got tired, choked it away, whatever you want to call it. They still lost when they, in a game they should have won. Sporting should not have lost that game by any stretch of the imagination. My friend Noah was over. He's, As we talked about on Monday, he's a big Minnesota United fan. In the amount of time we watched, now granted he only watched till halftime because he had to get up and work at 4.30 in the morning, so he couldn't finish the game with me. He went to bed like right at halftime. Sporting was dominating the game. In the second half, Sporting was dominating it. And then Tamelia gets a red card and then it all goes downhill from there. Terrible, terrible result for Sporting. Kiri Shelton, the goal scorer for Sporting, scores an own goal for Minnesota United. And Molino gets a goal in the 97th minute of the game to seal a 2 1 victory. Sucks. Group E, I had Atlanta United winning it. They're in last. Losing the New York Red Bulls 1 0. That was in the fourth minute. So you can say that was easy, cheap or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Whoever plays the FC Cincinnati, though. Is going to win by a lot, like the Columbus Crew did. We had Columbus Crew, I think, coming in second. We might have had them coming in third. I know I didn't have them winning because I had Atlanta United winning the group. But man, I should have had more faith in Caleb Porter and the Columbus Crew. I really liked them going into this tournament, but I just I undervalued them. I undervalued them in the group F. I had LAFC winning. They drew their first game, came back to draw their first game, and hopefully LA Galaxy can rebound after that 2-1 loss to the portland timbers but that's what we're going on in the mls's back tournament the next games in the tournament are taking place tonight first game will be at 7 next one at 9 30 we have new york city fc versus orlando city and philadelphia union playing inter miami again seven o'clock is the nyc fc game and at 9 30 is philadelphia union versus inter miami group b will be on the 19th so we got a little ways to go for the group b Oh wait, no, 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 no. I'm I'm mistaken. I am mistaken. <laughs> Group B, we already have action taking place. We had a game taking place this morning between the Chicago Fire and Seattle Sounders. I forgot about that because I was watch- I followed it on Twitter. And uh Yeah, Seattle Sounders lost two to one in this game to Chicago Fire. Barrett and Panetta getting goals in the game for the Chicago Fire. Panetta getting his goal in the 84th minute. Buana got a goal in the 77th minute for Seattle, but Wasn't enough as the Fire take victory there. Then a game tomorrow in Group B: Vancouver Whitecaps versus the San Jose Earthquakes tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central Time. Group C: Montreal Impact versus Toronto FC and DC United, New England Revolution are the next games. Montreal versus Toronto Battle Canada is on July 16th. DC versus New England is on July 17th. Group D: uh, July 17th Sporting versus Colorado Rapids and. Later that night, Real Salt Lake versus Minnesota United. Group E on the 16th, Atlanta United versus FC Cincinnati. That should be a bloodbath. And Columbus Crew versus the New York Red Bulls. That'll be a really, really fun game. Red Bulls versus Columbus Crew. And then Group F on the 18th, Portland Timbers versus the Houston Dynamo. And the LA, LA Galaxy taking on LA SC. We got a lot of exciting action going on in the MLS's back tournament uh for the rest of the world now we're only going to focus on two leagues here because in syria nothing's happened in syria juventus or lazio have not played so there's really nothing to really discuss in syria so in la liga we got some action going on right now real madrid won yesterday two to one against granada as expected now they are sitting four points above barcelona on the same number of games just one more win than the Catalan Giants, and man, it's going to come up, it, maybe Real Madrid slip up, maybe, I'm not saying it's likely, but maybe, they play Villarreal on Thursday, Barcelona play Osasuna, if Barcelona, if, if, if they, whatever they believe in, pray to whatever they believe in, and just pray that Real Madrid lose to Villarreal, the worst case scenario for Barcelona is that Real Madrid draw, They cannot win. That is the worst, worst, worst case scenario. Barca need at least a draw for Real Madrid against Villarreal. Villarreal, known throughout their history for having a good defense, not necessarily this year, allowed 47 goals, which is the most by far in the top six in La Liga. But they're going to need that defense to step up. Real Madrid have only allowed 22 goals this season, which is easily the most in La Liga this season well not easily they're four goals above Atletico Madrid and I kind of breezed past them when I was looking at the stand whatever 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 man Barca need a big big result from Villarreal against Real Madrid and then hoping on Sunday because again even if Real Madrid lose and Barcelona win there's still a point behind Real Madrid so they're going to need a result on Sunday as well Barca play Deportivo Alaves and Real Madrid play Leganes and Leganes. Sit 18th in La Liga on 32 points this season. And it doesn't look like it's happening for Barcelona. I'm sorry. Even if Villarreal win, I don't see Real Madrid losing their last game to Leganes. I just do not foresee that happening at all. I, I just can't. I can't. I can't see that. It's impossible for me to see that. But I think they can close it with on one. In their dreams they can win the league, but Real Madrid have to lose their last two games. But, man. Sorry, Barca. Your new uniforms are nice. I kind of like the new uniforms. And hopefully you can get the new players coming in. Hopefully, the Lerato Martinez decides to come over to the the new camp this offseason. Because you're going to need him. Need some squad depth for Barcelona, really. A lot of young players. Martin Braithwaite though he's been doing well in Barcelona uniform, should not be anywhere near <laughs> playing for Barcelona. Martin Braithwaite was at Middlesbrough like four or five years ago, and he did absolutely nothing there. I remember him at that time because he was playing for Toulouse before that. I'm in an all-Afro team on a, on a couple FIFAs ago. So he was obviously my striker. Because though in the game, when you played with him, he didn't have a striker, he didn't have an Afro. But in his picture... He had an Afro. So he was on my all-Afro team, and he was leading the line for my Afro team, with Flaney obviously being the captain of the team. But he did nothing once he came over to Middlesbrough. And then now he's playing for one of the, if not the biggest club on planet Earth. How ridiculous is that? Like, at least with Odia Agallo and Manchester United, at least Agallo was at once linked to Manchester United when he had that one really good season for Watford before he effed off to China to play with Shanghai Shenhua. At least that was a link there. I have never once in his professional career heard Martin Braithwaite get linked <laughs> to Barcelona, but he's there. He's there. So for their sake, I hope they get on the router Martinez this off season to get some striker depth on this roster. Cause Ansu Fadi, great Griezmann he's had an okay first season and, barcelona messi's Messi, luis suarez is gonna still score goals but lorando martinez would add another thing to their team which is what they need right now they need some other things on their roster they need something because even though they have more goals than real madrid they're still gonna find themselves sitting in second place so they need all the help they can get to avoid losing the stupid games and drawing the games that they should not be drawing like, when this restart happened, they added like, an 80-something percent chance to win the league. Now, I think Real Madrid have a 98 percent chance to win the league. That's Logan Blackman show numbers. I don't know if those are official numbers. Those aren't the official betting numbers, but Logan Blackman show numbers. But, yeah, Barca, you messed it up. You messed up. But, hopefully, next year, for your guys' sake, you guys can figure it out. For the Premier League, it looked like... With Chelsea losing 3-0 to Sheffield, and Leicester losing 4-1 to relegated Bournemouth, pretty much relegated Bournemouth, not official yet. It looked like Manchester United were going to squeak their way up to third place in the league. And then, especially playing Southampton, but to Southampton's credit, they have looked decent since the restart. They've drawn their last two, they won two before that. So they look decent. Danny Ings has been in very nice form all season. Danny Ings right now is one of the top scorers in the league. He's third place in goal score with 19 goals this season above the likes of Mo Salah, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, uh, Sergio Aguero, Rashford, Martial, Raul Jimenez, just some great players. And only one goal by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, which is ridiculous. I felt kind of bad for Danny Ings at Liverpool. Even though he played for Liverpool – he was at once linked to Manchester United, so again, I, and then, on that hand, I really don't feel bad for him, because he did, he should have chose Manchester United, Danny Ings, but he was hurt the entire time, and now he's balling out, shows what he can do when he's actually healthy, but he didn't, he wasn't even the one that got the goals in this game <laughs> for Southampton against Manchester United yesterday, so let's backtrack on this game, because obviously, we got done with the show before this game started, and then, came in, edited the show, watched the game. Stuart Armstrong, simple goal, nice little touch, a little nice little cross from Nathan Redmond, takes a touchdown and smashes it past De Gea. Really didn't need the touch, but it worked out. It worked out. Paul Pogba, one of the worst games I've seen him play in a while for Manchester United. He did not play great. It was easily the worst game I've seen him play in a while. Let's just put it like that. He did not play good at all he was solely responsible for the first goal giving the ball up to I think Danny Ings was the one that stole it from Pogba who got bounced to Redmond who made the cross Stuart Armstrong and then right away Rashford Martial Martial should have scored earlier in the game too but it's like okay it's just like the Bournemouth game just like the Bournemouth game Southampton strike early Manchester United got two goals within three minutes of each other It's like, okay, yeah, we're fine. We're good. It's Gucci. We got it. Gonna come back. They're gonna come back. The game's over. Game's done and dusted. Like, I was brushing my hands. I was doing everything. I was like, ah, this game's done. I even texted my dad yesterday and said, hey, are you at the office? Yeah? Well, turn it on to Manchester United versus Southampton. Because they're back, man. And then later in the game, I jinxed it. I didn't knock on wood or anything. Uh, Michael Obafemi, the Irishman got a goal late in the game 95th minute of the game worst time to concede a goal from a corner kick McGuire's marking Aaron Wan-Bissaka uh Lindelof did absolutely nothing there either and he just placed it in the back of the net not anything technical with it just terrible defending from a corner kick Manchester United now currently sits in um let me read the fifth they didn't move (laughs) they now are level with Leicester City on points but Leicester have a plus three goal differential better than Manchester United they've scored they've allowed one more goal but they've scored four more than Manchester United have and Leicester were begging Manchester United to take over Chelsea was doing the same thing in the last six matches Leicester City have won one game they've drawn three and lost two they were begging Manchester United to take them, take the spot away from them. Like, please, Manchester United, take it. You guys are so good on form right now. Take it. Take fourth place. Take third place. Chelsea said that too. Because in Chelsea's two of their last four games, they've lost. Yeah, they've won them. But losing 3-0 to Sheffield after Manchester United just slapped them 3-0. You would expect Manchester United to have no problem against Southampton. But they did. They did. They did not play great in this game at all. Yeah, they got the two goals back-to-back from Rashford and Martial, but they didn't play great. They did not play great. It was frustrating. I thought it was over. I was like, ah, two goals within three minutes of each other. Game's done. Dusted. Don't care. And then it just went to utter garbage. And now Manchester United don't control their own fate. I mean, their schedule for the remainder of their season is not the hardest schedule in the world. Comparatively to the likes of Chelsea and Leicester, now, Manchester United and Leicester City will play each other on the last day of the season this year. That's their last game of the year. So that'll be the true test for the last game of the season. For Chelsea in the Premier League, they play Liverpool and Wolves. And they're playing Norwich today, which I'm not full, I'm fully expecting them to beat Norwich. I don't really care. They're winning 1-0 right now against Norwich with a goal from who scored the goal today for Chelsea? Olivier Giroud, Christian Pulisic, Captain America getting the assist in the game. But, yeah, I'm not really expecting much from already relegated Norwich today. But I need some help from Liverpool and Wolves. Need some help. And for Leicester City, again, like we said earlier, playing Manchester United, their last game of the season. Chelsea and Manchester United will meet up for the FA Cup semifinals, which will take place in a couple days. But for Leicester, their last three games are against Sheffield, Tottenham and then Manchester United not there that those are tough games not necessarily they're not super tough like playing Liverpool and Manchester City those are good teams they're good you just saw what Sheffield United what brimming with confidence did against Chelsea a team that's one spot above Leicester in the standings Tottenham just beat Arsenal which I guess is not that impressive but still beat them Manchester United in their last three games Crystal Palace West Ham and then Leicester If you're looking at the games alone, Manchester United should finish third. This is what we said when the restart came back, when they came back. I said Manchester United will finish third in the Premier League. I was confident in saying that. And I still feel that, even though they screwed around and drew with a team they should have beat. Even if it was just two to one, they should have won the game. They should have held out. It sucked. It wasn't very, it, uh, it wasn't very fun To watch yesterday. Let's just put it like that. It was fun for three minutes. And then the rest of it was just kind of frustrating. Rashford's missing chances. Martial missed some chances early. It's frustrating. But I still believe they will finish third place in the Premier League. Leicester, their form's not great, as we already said, not looking that good. Out of their last six games, they've won one. So I'm feeling fine about Leicester. Chelsea is the team that could go all over the place with Liverpool. I don't know what kind of Liverpool team they're going to be facing. Liverpool's essentially just checked out of the league. They're just done. They don't really care. They are mentally checked out. They just drew with Burnley. Like, Liverpool could care less what happens. They won the league. Anything else could happen. So, I don't think Manchester United are going to get a lot of favors from Liverpool, but at least get top four. At least get top four. And we can expect – maybe Norwich have a miracle tucked back in their pocket even though they've lost almost every – lost every game since the restart. At least a draw. Team Timu Pukki. uh, Todd Cantwell is back in the starting lot. Please get something in the game for you guys. You guys need it. Or Drimich, not Puki. Puki's not starting. He's on the bench. But Drimich, get a goal from Todd Cantwell. Please. Alex Tenty, the captain, get a header in. Max Ahrens, get a goal today. Tim Cruel you like saving penalties, go take a penalty. Just get a goal. I believe in you guys. Just get a draw, get a draw. Now, obviously with this whole thing going on right now in the Premier League with Manchester United battling for top three and top four spots, if Manchester City's situation, if we just want to call it like that, didn't get withheld or withdrawn or whatever you want to call it, pulled back. Manchester United were in a Champions League spot. Manchester City, if you listen to like the likes of Jose Mourinho, Jurgen Klopp, it's a bad day for football, Jurgen says. Jose said it's disgraceful, or dis- yeah, disgraceful, or something like that. If you're not guilty, why'd you get fined in the first place? Which is fair. I hate Manchester City, so everything they do, I'm just gonna put on a negative connotation to it anyways. My friend Caleb became a Manchester City fan one because of Yaya Toure and two because I loved Manchester United so I hate Manchester City <laughs> if I were the if I was UEFA I would be banning them for life but the ban got withheld or withdrawn once they submitted um what do you want to call it they uh challenged they appealed they appealed once they did that it's over Manchester City back in the Champions League so Manchester United now cannot coast on the fact that top five is a Champions League spot now. That's not happening anymore. Need to actually start winning some games. Can Well, now, they were dominating. They were dominating. But you can't have games like this where you draw against teams. You should be beating by two or three goals. No, no, No offense to Southampton, but it's Manchester United. The levels are different by a lot there's levels to this and a club level that man the level that manchester United is at should not be drawing giving away late goals to a team on the level of southampton that's just facts uh you can get offended by that i don't really care it's just facts straight facts but yeah it's a it's gonna be a fun race to the end of the season also see who gets relegated aston Villa. Bournemouth Watford and West Ham all won in their last games Watford and West Ham on 34 points each Bournemouth on 31 and 18th and Astonville in 19th with 30 so yeah it's it's gonna be fun got have three games left in the league who will get relegated who will make top four we will have to wait and see so before we get into more talking points not on soccer but we got some college football stuff to talk about I want to play a game of yay or nay again haven't played that in a while. I wanted to go over the, some 99-club things that have happened in Madden say, Um Christian McCaffrey was named to the 99-club today. And you already had the likes of Patrick Mahomes there, obviously. Half-billion-dollar man. And Stephon Gilmore. Now, I kind of wanted to save this for Stay Woke Wednesday. Actually, no, 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 no. Yeah, we are, we are going to save that for Stay Woke Wednesday. I think if you know me, then you know what I'm going to say you know what I'm going to talk about for tomorrow but if you don't find out tomorrow <laughs> because I don't want to get into all of that stuff today it's the perfect topic to go in for stay woke Wednesday just Madden rankings in general really but Gilmore Mahomes and McCaffrey are the 99 club so far maybe Aaron Donald's in that as well I don't really I I've been following it around a little bit but I honestly don't know if anybody else is in the 99 club or if it's just Mahomes, McCaffrey, and Gilmore. Oh, it is Donald. Donald is in there. It's leaked. So, that's what the leakage says. And Donald's in the 99 club last year. He was the best player in the NFL regardless of position, arguably. So, yeah, he's he should definitely be in the 99 club. Unsurprisingly, Lamar Jackson's fastest quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Kyler Murray's right behind. And Taysom Hill's the one that kind of surprised me at 90. He's number three. Mariota right behind him as well. Mario's a fast, fast dude. Mario's really fast. People kind of forget how fast Marcus Mariota is. But we'll go over more 99 club rankings and more rankings in Madden come tomorrow for Stay Woke Wednesday. Because Madden's a game that's kind of fallen off a little bit with fandom wise. Now, people still obviously will play it and buy it because why? It's Madden. I'm going to play the new Madden. Same thing like me and FIFA. It's the same game essentially every year with little tweaks, but it's the game that's like, there's people that will be addicted to the game forever, whether it's good or bad. But Madden is like, I don't know. I I can't stand Madden anymore. I got Madden, was it Madden 18? Which one's the, yeah, Madden 18, because that's the cover, that's Antonio Brown on the cover. That was the last Madden I got. And I was with a friend, over on the south side getting we were just looking for rock band and we went to the GameStop on the South Side and That Madden just came out that day. And I kind of forgot about it. But I was like, ooh, let's get let's get Madden. We're here. Might as well get it. Got paid today. And then played it and got so frustrated. I haven't touched it in a while. It's been a fat minute since I have even looked in the direction of my Madden game. As you notice. I don't even remember what year it is. <laughs> I think it's Madden 18. I think it's Madden 18. But man, can't stand Madden. But keeping with the NFL topics, we have some paydays going on today with uh, Christian Jones or Chris Jones, whatever you want to call him, Kansas City Chiefs defensive tackle getting paid today for year $85 million deal. That includes a $60 million in guarantees. So good day. Good, good month so far. For the Kansas City Chiefs, signed Patrick Mahomes, got his backup Matt Moore to another extension, and you get one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL, and Chris Jones signed to a contract. So, good days, good things all around for the Kansas City Chiefs and their organization. Sadly, it pains me to say that. And also, from Ian Rapport, another person getting paid today, or closing in on a new deal, is the Browns and Miles Garrett Closing on a five-year, $125 million deal. Another massive deal this time this time for $25 million in new money per year. Their top priority of the offseason, and are they are in the final stages. The Browns' top priority of this offseason was getting star edge rusher Miles Garrett signed. And Daniel Jeremiah, the best NFL draft scout for TV. If, if you're interested in learning more about the NFL draft, or want to follow the NFL draft more. And I don't know him personally, but I love listening to what this guy has to say. Uh, He's the best when it comes to NFL draft previews, mock drafts, all that stuff. I liked Mike Mayock a lot, and I like Daniel Jeremiah just as much. I obviously, obviously have differing opinions about Mike Mayock now, as he is the general manager of one of my least favorite teams in the NFL, the Oakland Raiders. Not Las Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. But Daniel Jeremiah tweeted this about 22 minutes ago, Miles Garrett is the most talented edge rusher in the NFL. He hasn't always been the most consistent, but he has the best toolkit. We can bring that up on Stay woke Wednesday if you want to. Cuz there's obviously players that are very talented, but Miles Garrett, the talent's been there his entire career. He had a great season last year until the whole trying to decapitate Mason Rudolph thing took off. Maybe he was trying to make Mason Rudolph a competent NFL quarterback. I I don't know but he is talented. Most talented, he's up there for most talent, yeah. It's like looking at this draft, like the past, the 2020 NFL draft. Jordan Love is arguably, talent-wise, the best quarterback in this draft. Talent-wise, is he the best quarterback in this draft? No. I don't even think Jordan Love would say that. Actually, maybe he would, because you got to have self-belief. But Jordan Love, out of all the things he can do, He's the most talented. He has the biggest upside out of all these quarterbacks as well. He has a similar skill set to that of Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Like, you don't say that about the other people in this draft. I've heard uh, Joe Burrow linked with Tony Romo. Tua linked with uh, Steve Young just because he's left-handed and it's a lazy comparison. They've not a lot of left-handed quarterbacks that really compare to (laughs) Tua. But very accurate was Steve Young, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history. And then Justin Herbert, who did I hear him? Matt Ryan was the guy I heard from him. But Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he's been linked to them. Not saying, now, not saying that dude is as good as them, but the skill, like, the stuff he can do is very similar to what they can do. The throws he can make, not as consistently, obviously. But, man, Jordan Love is talented. I love... Jordan love but we'll have to see how he does in Green Bay I can't think of a lot of better quarterbacks you can learn from than Aaron Rodgers one of the the I think he is the best quarterback when it comes to touchdown interception ratio I think he is the best like statistically I think he's the best I he's gonna learn a lot from him. he's very similar in skill set to him and now he'll cut down on the turnovers which the turnovers will go down regardless because he lost the talent that he didn't really have the season before but he lost a lot of that non-existing talent the next year to then zero talent his last year at Utah State so he's trying to force plays, he's trying to make plays force throws which saw his interceptions raise like crazy and his touchdowns drop a lot saw him throw 17 interceptions last year at college but the talent is there so when Jano Jeremiah says he's the most talented edge rusher doesn't mean he's the best but talent-wise, he has to be up there. Daniel Jeremiah, I, I agree that he is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Not the best. Not the best. Let's get that message straight. He's not the best, but he's up there. He's definitely up there with the, in regards to talent. So where did all these guys come from? They came from college football. Ooh, seamless transition there by Logan, host of the Logan Blackman Show. It's absolutely seamless transition. So, with college football, the big question right now is, will there be a college football season? Now, there's also been reports of it getting moved to the spring because the NJCAA, the National Junior College Athletic Association, came out with a statement yesterday. Or not yesterday. Official statement yesterday, but it came out a couple days ago. An official statement yesterday from the National Junior College Athletic Association from Charlotte. Following the recommendations of the NJCAA Presidential Advisory Council and the NJCAA Board of Regents, oh my God, I'm not going to keep repeating the same acronym. It's hard to say this because I got to insert the J to NJCAA. The NJCAA has announced its adjusted plan of action for the upcoming 2021 season. Uh, following the Board of Regents vote on Monday, a majority of competition will be moved to the spring semester. Our greatest focus is is and always has been providing the best opportunities for our student athletes," said Dr. Christopher Parker, the NJCAA President and CEO. Through an un- a unified effort from our Presidential Advisory Council, the Board of Regents, and leadership staff, our most recent plan of action provides a path that keeps uh, our student athletes competing at the highest level with proper safety measures in place. As we move forward as an association, we will continue to provide opportunities for our student-athletes, coaches, and all those involved with the NJCAA to be safe and successful. So moving on to spring, good stuff from the NJCAA. Now, for the big colleges, I don't think that's very realistic for the big schools, like the Iowas. I mean, if I'm the next college I'm going to say, like, oh, Iowa doesn't belong in there, but whatever. Iowa, Alabama, Clemson, um, Florida, Florida State. I mean, Florida State's kind of falling off a little bit, but they're still a massive university. Texas, Oklahoma, those schools—you can't really do that because when this starts going in the spring, you're going to start canceling other sports, like you did this year with the likes of softball. All the summer, spring, and summer sports getting canceled, which sucks for the players. The wrestling tournament, the postseason tournament, getting canceled in the Minnesota's Viking Stadium, which is going to be freaking massive but sadly it didn't happen for these bigger colleges i don't think they can afford to do that maybe they can They've missed an entire fall the ncaa and college football is the most profitable sport college football is the most profitable sport in college athletics by far the ncaa will do whatever the ncaa feels is necessary to make the most money for the ncaa that's how this works that's how this really works Junior colleges, yeah, you go go ahead and do that. And one point that got brought up: What about the people that graduate in the fall instead of graduating in twenty twenty one? They are graduating in December or November now. Well, glad we'll to see there's players that have graduated before that play college football. It happens all the time. Joe Burrow, most recently, did it last year. He was already graduated, and he played the national championship game even said that I'm part of my take when they said was Odell Beckham handing out money. Joe Burrow's like, "Yeah, I'm not a student athlete anymore." Yeah, I already graduated. You're just there. They'll take a certain number of credits to play these games, but yeah, it's going to it's going to be weird. It's even weirder that we have schools or conferences like the Big 10 and the Pac-12 canceling non-conference games, which which provided a lot of meme opportunities for a lot of people on the internet because you got oh man yeah that was what I learned as well COVID-19 can't spread to non it only spreads in non-conference games and the logic behind this is odd I saw this on Twitter and it was like traveling to UNI or I traveling to Iowa Iowa going to Iowa State or back, Iowa State going to Iowa oh no 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 no, no, no. can't do that Iowa traveling to New Jersey to play Rutgers that's it this, this doesn't make sense really that makes zero sense if you think about it. I'm trying to keep the student-athletes safe. Well, then you'd keep them in the same state. You'd not cancel the games where you're playing your in-state rivals like Iowa and Iowa State. First time this game won't get played in 43 years. And for the UNI-Iowa game, I UNI is missing out on, let me see if I have my numbers right, just so I can read out the right number, $650,000 check from the University of Iowa since this game's not getting played. That's a lot of money that's basically three quarters of a million dollars that's a lot of money basically three quarters i know it's not but basically just work with me on this but we're gonna go play in rutgers and new jersey because that's safer from iowa state traveling an hour northeast to or just an hour east hour and a half east well, however long it takes to get from ames to iowa city i don't know i've never made the trip but going from ames to iowa city oh let's forget about the hour-long trip from cedar falls to iowa city Let's make our however long plane flight to Rutgers to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and blow them out by 50 points. Cause that's totally worth it. Rutgers has not won a big 10 games in two years. Now their non-conference games are out. The only chance Rutgers had at winning games in the non-conference. Now those are done. Even Rutgers pages, fan pages are making fun of Rutgers for that. It's kind of funny, but it just doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, let's cancel our games where we're playing our in-state teams and travel through two time zones to get to, or one time zone to get to Rutgers. So traveling from Central to Eastern time. Doesn't make, doesn't make a whole lot of sense now, does it? It's very confusing. It's not confusing. Well, it's not confusing. It's just stupid. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Pac-12 did the same thing. I heard other conferences are thinking of doing the same thing as well. Um, and this raises a huge question. What's going to happen to Notre Dame and the other non-conference schools? Like you got Notre Dame, Army, uh, BYU, New Mexico State. I think's non-conference. Liberty, like they're are they even non? They're FCS, aren't they? I think they're no, they're not. Um, whatever. I'm just thinking basketball, but I think they're in the Liberty Conference. The All America. I don't know the I, whatever. Forget. I, I, don't forget. You mess up on things too. But Notre Dame playing in no conference (laughs) what's going to happen when all the other conferences start following suit and go yeah let's not play non-conference games there's a giant middle finger to Notre Dame might as well double bird them and uh, putting a stranglehold on Notre Dame saying you better go to a conference or you're not playing this year which I personally have no problem with Notre Dame not playing this year because I think Notre Dame should be in a conference right now The fact that Rutgers is in the Big Ten and Notre Dame is in non-conference is ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying that Rutgers needs to join the Big Ten. That's a pipe dream. In my dreams, the Big Ten has axed out Rutgers and brought in Notre Dame. That's a dream of mine. But Notre Dame is more than likely, if they were going to another conference, would go to the ACC. They play basketball. All of their sports, minus football and hockey, are in the ACC. Notre Dame... Plays six ACC teams this year. Wake Forest, Pitt, Duke, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. They're not playing USC or Wisconsin because those games are canceled out because the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceled out non-conference games. But they play six ACC teams. They're in the ACC for every sport except for football and hockey. Where in hockey, they're in the Big Ten. So why not just go to the ACC. I know in their history, they've never been in a conference but Penn State was the same way before that Miami was independent before they joined the big East, like big time programs join conferences all the time. It's not that huge of a deal. Notre Dame needs to join a conference, whether it be the ACC or big 10, I would love them to join the big 10. Cause then you have it, I mean, that would, they'd have to reshuffle the divisions again, because that Eastern side is freaking ridiculous. You have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Penn State all on the same side with lowly old Maryland there to fight them off. <laughs> but just Maryland, just leave. Like, you can't do that to little old Maryland. It's not fair to Maryland. But yeah, Notre Dame needs to join a conference, and I do not care that they are gonna. They might struggle because they're not, they might not play. Now there's no real plan for this whole situation because. We don't know what's going to happen. It's all speculation at this point with what's going to happen to the Notre Dame football team. Which, again, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I know two families that are Notre Dame fans. And one of them is barely a Notre Dame fan. They're just Notre Dame fans because they're Catholic. And they're not even really Notre Dame fans. But they like Notre Dame. Uh, QB1 down at William Penn, Alex Crehan, is a Notre Dame fan. After he stops cheering for William Penn, obviously because William Penn's his favorite team. But I don't care. Notre Dame can go f off. I don't really care. Go ahead. I want them to join a conference. This if this puts if this grabs Notre Dame by the nuts and says join a conference or they just get ripped off. <laughs> I hope it does that. Whether it be ACC or Big Ten. So that's good that's a good way to start off. This section of yay or nay for this Tuesday edition of the Logan Blackman show. So as you don't know what yay or nay is, when we play this game, we go yay or nay or ya or nine, whatever you want to call it. Or yes or no, if that works out for you. Nay yay nay just sounds better. But we go through things in certain sports and say, "Yes, that's going to happen." Or nay, that ain't happening. So let's start off with number 1. Will Notre Dame join the conference after this year? I hope so. I surely hope so. Um, But I'm going to say nay because of the fact they're a proud organization. They're a proud tradition at Notre Dame. But Notre Dame, if this is where I'm starting to lean towards yay. It's about 50-50 on this because nay, they're a proud tradition. They love being independent. They love scheduling their own games. They love playing USC every year, Michigan almost every year and then playing other teams like Clemson and just playing those big-time schools. In the conference, you can't do that. You can't structure your own schedule. They can't play Navy every year, which they can. Army does it with Navy every year. Navy's in a conference now. But the thing is with this, Notre Dame is not ever going to go to a national championship game without being in a conference. If they go undefeated without a conference and there's a team right behind them with one loss that just won their conference, guess what? Notre Dame's getting kicked out of the top four because that's how college football works. You better win your conference and Notre Dame without a conference is going to be on the outside looking in more often than not. If they go to the ACC, which I think is very likely out the con- now big 10 geographical wide geographically makes the most sense. You're closer to a lot of those teams. You're in the state. That's two big 10 schools are already in in Purdue and Indiana. So it makes the most sense for Notre Dame just to join the Big Ten, but with all their other athletic teams in the ACC, I could see them join the ACC, and this would also provide Clemson with some sort of competition in this conference. So the the things for the for um the ACC in the Big Ten, their little like what what could draw Notre Dame to that? The ACC doesn't really have any teams they're looking to kick out at this point in time. ACC doesn't really have any historically terrible teams now Virginia is the losingest franchise in the ACC over the past 10 years I think this is what I saw but Virginia last year won the ACC Coastal there's not a really really like oh god why are they playing this like oh we know this team's gonna win they're they're not terrible they have bad years every once in a while but like NC State came last in the Atlantic Georgia Tech game last in the Coastal those teams are usually good to very good in the ACC but in the Big Ten they can kick out Rutgers like that and not think twice about it so that's where you're like okay the the Big Ten doesn't need to adjust the conference will stay the same they kick out Rutgers in the eastern side of the country and you add in Notre Dame and then you can move if you want to do that you can move Purdue to the east and Notre Dame to the west to make it a little more even if you want to do it like that but Notre Dame geographically it makes more sense to come to the Big Ten Will they probably join the ACC as they're playing six ACC teams this year? Probably, but again, there's it's easier to maneuver around the Big Ten for a team to join than it would be for the ACC. So I'm gonna I'm after this year, I don't know. I'm gonna might say nay for this year, but eventually they have to join a conference. They're not gonna go to a national championship game if they do not join a conference. That's how it works. That's how it always will work. They went to the, the final four, I think, two years ago, and they got absolutely slaughtered. I don't remember who they played. I think it was Clemson. It was Clemson or Alabama. So those two teams are always in it, but yeah. Uh, keeping it with non-conference games getting canceled, the Pac-10, Pac-12 and Big Ten, the two top FCC teams would beat their FCS opponents week one. So that the top two teams in FCS this year are North Coast State number one, Rainy national champions haven't lost in a long time we're gonna play Oregon and the number two team in the nation you and I we're gonna beat we're gonna play Iowa so would this have happened would they beat their opponents week one if these non-conference games were happening Iowa and Oregon are not easy places to go travel as a visiting team now maybe the fans aren't as loud and rambunctious because they're just FCS proponents, but I think they could take it to them. I'm going to say nay for beat them, but I think they'd be close. I think they'd be a lot closer than what some of the FBS heads are going to say. Like, oh, they're playing those two teams. They're going to blow them out of the water. Oregon lost a few people. Now, they're still returning a lot of people, and they're in a weaker part of the Pac-12, so they're going to make the Pac-12 championship again. They're probably going to win around 10 games this year. Notre Dame, North Dakota State, tough, but would they beat Oregon? who just is off a Rose Bowl victory. I don't know, but I think they could have it within 7 3 to 7 points in that game. Same thing with you and I. You and I's returning pretty much everybody on their roster. Iowa lost some very key players. Starting quarterback, much like Oregon, starting right tackle, best offensive alignment in the Big 10, their number one corner and their top safety. All positions that when those things were hampered hurt Iowa last year. You had, not Tristan Wurz, but Alaric Jackson went down hurt. Then you had the corner and like St- the, the D-backs messing around last year and getting hurt. Lost some good people for Iowa, but I think they would beat you and I by three. I think you get a last-second field goal from Keith Duncan to win the game. I think, actually, no, by two, I think you and I would be winning, going in with the, the game on the line, then D- Keith Duncan, should have won the Lou Groza Award last year, would nail a field goal to win. Uh, number three... Iowa will be the best team in Iowa record-wise for D1. uh Nay, record-wise, I think you and I will be the best team in the league in the in the state. I think you, if we're Tom, I know I said you and I would lose to Iowa, which would be by that mark. Be oh man, that Iowa's the best team. Because they beat you and I, so they're better. But I'm just talking about overall record-wise. Do, who do I think will have the most wins out of the Iowa teams? Iowa State, Iowa, you and I, or Drake? I think it'll be you and I. I think the order goes. You and I, Iowa and Iowa State tied than Drake. I think Iowa and Iowa State can have eight wins this year. Eight or nine. I think they'll have the same number of wins. But I think you and I will have ten this year. This is my early prediction. But yay, or nay, you, Iowa will not be the best team in Iowa record-wise. Wins-wise, yeah, sure. They'll beat you and I think they could beat you and I. But and I think it'd be close. I don't want to be disrespectful to you and I because I really have – a lot of you and I pride for the fo- I really love the football team. The football and basketball team, I have a lot of pride. I'm wearing a you and I shirt right now, speaking the devil. But I think you and I will have the best record in the state of Iowa. Number four, going back to North Dakota State, uh, North Dakota State should move up to the FBS. By this, August, Augustana, who's moving up from D2, they're going to be FB- FCS independent, I think, if I remember that correctly, would eventually. Take North Dakota State spot in the conference as they're in South Dakota. I believe that could I could be wrong about that. I think they're in South Dakota though. North Dakota State then would move to the Mountain West Conference, which Boise State has been looking to leave for a while. Or not looking to leave, but yeah, you know what I think you know what I mean. (laughs) North Dakota State can move up there. Uh do I think they'll do it? Because here's the thing you gotta remember Appalachian State, Texas State. Boise State were all juggernauts of the FCS. How many of them have been around or even mentioned in the words national championship? One, Boise State. Texas Tate sucks. And Appalachian State is doing good, but they'll get in the top 25. They ain't challenging for national championship or even scaring the top 10 in the country unless they beat a team like Michigan again, like they did a few years ago. But. Texas State, last year, they went 3-9. and nine. They were winning national championships. Appalachian State, they've made the transition pretty seamlessly. They've done pretty well in their time up in the FBS. But that's what you got to remember. is the Because gra- the grass is not always greener on the other side. That's the thing you got to remember, being these FBS teams that move up to the FCS level. Now, Boise and Appalachian State, and among others that I can't think of right now, have made transitions pretty easy. But they're not challenging for national championships. They're not challenging up there with the Ohio State's, Alabama's, Clemson's of the world. They're challenging for spots in the Bahamas Bowl. So, would North Dakota State do that? Should they move up? Nay. I don't think they should move up. They're the kings of the FBS, FCS. They're going to be undefeated again in the best conference in the FCS. Or not undefeated again. I'm not going to mark them as undefeated. Say I, I want the... The UNI game is going to be awesome against North Coast State. If that does happen, which I hope it does. But they're winning national championships, and they move up to the FBS. Yes, the Mountain West is not the hardest conference in the world, but they'd be winning nine games. They wouldn't be going undefeated every single year. I think Boise State, who, like North Coast State, coming from those northern states, those mountain states, I don't know, I, it'd be, I, the grass isn't always greener. I would love to be challenging for national championships every single year rather than moving up and winning nine games a year. Again, the grass is not always greener on the other side. So I think they should move up. No, I do not think North Dakota State should move up. I think they can move up. I think they have the ability to move up. I don't think they'd be faltering like Texas State and just suffering in below mediocrity all the time. I don't think that's. I don't think that would happen to them, but if I'm North Dakota State, I'm staying where I'm winning all the time. That's, jeez, I'd rather win all the time than be an average team in a bad conference. Uh, next one on this list, I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Uh, J.T. Daniels was granted immediate eligibility. God knows why. The, the NCAA does is so inconsistent with their granting of eligibility; it's ridiculous. Uh, so he'll be playing this year. Will he beat out Jamie Newman at Georgia? I think JT Daniels is more talented than Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman uh, had good numbers at Wake Forest, but nothing that makes you go, wow, first-round talent. If you look at him, if he's just standing there, that dude looks like a first-rounder. He's big, he's strong, he's mobile, he's got a good arm, but his stats are just like, yeah, they're good, I guess. Didn't do anything at Wake Forest, but nothing that really wows us. You started to see him kind of fade out of first rounds as you look at more and more mock drafts. But will JT Daniels beat him out? It's gonna be close. You saw you can look at the film of what they did, JT Daniels at USC, uh Jamie Newman at uh Wake Forest. Either one Jake Daniels did not do anything spectacular at USC. You saw Keaton Slovis take that exact same team and throw for an insane number of yards, touchdowns, and high completion percentage. Like, Keaton Slovis is better by a lot than JT Daniels. But JT Daniels and Jamie Newman are not world beaters. So we'll have to see how they do. But I'm going to go, will he beat out Jamie Newman? Uh, Nay. Because Jamie Newman is going to be a senior. Jamie Newman is going to be done. JT Daniels comes in, sits behind him, learns. And then goes on to start for Georgia. Number six, same thing. Mac Jones will retain his starting job at Alabama. I'm going to say nay. Uh, I get that he's very good in the play action. I know Nick Saban likes himself in play action. I know that Nick Saban likes the experience of a guy. Like Mac Jones, I guess, has because he's been in the system longer. But you cannot deny the talent of Bryce Young. Bryce Young is too good. The mobility, people are comparing to the freaking Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner, the number one overall pick. I saw an article talking about Bryce Young's size. He's 5'11", 197, I think. Who cares? Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson are all starting in the NFL that are under six foot. I don't care if Brees and Will and Mayfield are listed six foot. There's no way they're six foot tall. I refuse to believe that. Especially Drew Brees. I can see Baker. B- Brees, no. I don't care about size in the NFL for a quarterback anymore. That's done. With the way the NFL is looking at quarterbacks now, like, if you did this 20 years ago, you would never see a guy like Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield get drafted number one overall. But that happened. And the talent, he's got talent, more talent is left pinky than Mac Jones does. Now, I'm not saying Mac Jones is not good. Mac Jones could turn around right now and win a Heisman. I don't, if he does, good on him. But from what I've seen from last year, from him and then Bryce young in high school i'm taking bryce young and not looking back that's what i would do if i'm being 100 honest uh number seven kyle trask will be the next joe burrow uh he's got similar situation we kind of talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago i think on stay woke wednesday i think it was he's got good defense around him florida's expected to take a jump this year does Tra- i like trask's mentality of coming from a backup and and uh in houston to eric king now being a starter and one of the favorites to go to the final four and one of the favorites to win their side of the sec the sec east that's a good story similar to that of joe burrow was a backup at ohio state transferred to lsu now is a heisman trophy winner number one pick, greatest season college quarterbacks ever had i don't think kyle trask put up the same numbers as joe burrow by any stretch but i think he could have a good impact on Florida the same way he had on LSU for stats wise. No, nay, but for what he can do for the organization of Florida and the school, I think he can get them pretty far. I like Kyle trash. Number set, number eight, we're running out of time here. Justin Fields will be taken before Trevor Lawrence in the 2021 NFL draft. I saw a mock draft that said this the other day or yesterday. Um, like we talked about with, um, Bryce young and Kyler Murray, With the way the NFL is going at quarterbacks, you're looking for more mobile quarterbacks and very efficient quarterbacks. Not necessarily looking for, oh, the biggest specimen at quarterback anymore. We're talent. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are the two most talented quarterbacks I've seen in college football in a while, talent-wise. But Trevor Lawrence, I would still take Trevor Lawrence. So, Justin Fields, right now, in my opinion, on July 14th, 2020, I do not think Justin Fields will go before Lawrence. I don't think they'll go both in the top five, but I think Lawrence will go before him. Because Lawrence has won a natty. He beat Justin Fields in the head-to-head. He's got the size. I know we just said size is not that important anymore, but the size plus the mobility plus the arm strength all points to to Trevor Lawrence. Fields is more mobile, more efficient, but Trevor Lawrence is more of those desirable qualities than Justin Fields. Again, both top five quarterbacks, but... I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence over field. So nay for that one. Number nine, Spencer Rattler become OU's best QB in the Lincoln Riley era. That's a lofty expectation. You look at the quarterbacks Lincoln Riley's had Baker Mayfield, Heisman trophy winner, number one overall pick Kyler Murray, Heisman trophy winner, number one overall pick Jalen hurts, Heisman finalist, completely transitioned him from a running quarterback who would throw 17 touchdowns a year to a guy that passed for 3,200 yards and ran for a thousand like completely tra- translated, tra- completely flipped his college career to actually looking like a top first-round quarterback. Not top first-round quarterback, but a first-round quarterback. Ridiculous. Spencer Rattler, I think Kyler Murray's the most talented one he's had at Oklahoma. Kyler Murray did some amazing things at Oklahoma. So to say Spencer is going to be better than Kyler Murray, that's lofty. That's very lofty for a guy that's never started or even really played in a college football game. I know he's played, but not meaningful play he almost beat according to reports he almost beat out Jalen Hurts at the start of the season last year he almost beat him out for the starting job according to reports again so we don't know if those be well, those are true but will he be the most talented or will he be the best I'm gonna say nay it's gonna be a lot to be better than what Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts were I think he can be better than Baker which in my opinion is the second best one he's had just overall skill set that kyler murray has is like he's like they're both accurate but kyler murray's a lot more mobile than baker so i would take kyler over baker but that's just me so i think he can be the second best quarterback he's had but i don't think he'll be better than i think he'd probably just be third i don't know if he can i think he can be better than jalen hurts i don't know if he can be better than baker and kyler murray heisman winners number one overall picks, that's lofty for a young guy, and number 10, there will be a D1 college football season in the fall, I sure hope so, I sure hope so, I don't know yay or nay on this one yet, there's too many questions about what's going on right now, again, sure hope so, but it's gonna be weird, it's gonna, we, time will tell, time will tell, so that's our Yay or nay section for this Tuesday edition of the Logan Blackman show. And with that being said, I'm gonna wrap it up today. Again, it feels weird doing only hour-long shows, but I'm gonna wrap it up here. I'll post the podcast on our Apple Podcasts and our uh Spotify accounts. No video today. Sorry about that. We're only gonna do uh videos on Wednesdays, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So stay tuned for the video tomorrow, and I will see you guys on the podcast and video tomorrow. So with that being said, have a good day and peace.